1: This is a blow up tub where mommy's gonna have your baby brother. And She's this? gonna give birth to your baby brother in the tub. And this is gonna blow up the tub. You know how you have an inflatable pool outside? You know when we blow up the, the big swan and you have the slide that goes into it? That's, yeah, I know, yeah. it's like goodbye. Yeah, that's what this is, only medical. And this little big girl. All the way home. Yeah. I don't know how the little pigs got into the conversation, but you know, to each his own. Daddy. And thank you, Henley, for that. That's beginning to be like my favorite part of setting up the podcast is putting together some Henley audio. It's always audio from videos that I have, but it really is something that I look forward to each week as finding the best Henley audio. But Anyway, welcome to Hot Marriage, cool parents for anybody new. I don't know if anybody's new, but if you are, welcome. This is usually Jamie and I that are going through the introduction, but Jamie's pregnant and she's sleeping. And right now it's 11:18 in full transparency. And I am down here looking at the wall and talking to myself. But we have a phenomenal, phenomenal episode of Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. Last week, we had Mindy from Season 10 of Married at First Sight, who really gave us an intimate look of the behind the scenes of what it's like to be not just on Married at First Sight, but what it's like to be in a marriage with someone like who she was married to, Zach. You know, there's a lot that we can see on TV, but there's so much that happens behind the scenes. You know, the waking up, the going to bed. And it turns out that by the time that they got home, the only time that they ever saw each other really was when they were filming. So I didn't know that Zach checked out that early, which is bizarre to me because every single episode, every time he spoke with the experts, he was always raving about how he's holding out for hope. When you have in your head that you just aren't attracted to somebody and you can't get over that or you're not open to finding out who the person is or finding out why you guys were matched then it's just thank god Mindy opened her eyes and opened her mind and she gave it the best possible chance and she just didn't get anything in return. So I was happy to see that she was happy that she's not letting this past season and Zach define who she is because she is so much more and offers so much more to a relationship than what she was getting in return. You know, it's a good thing that she saw that and she should hold her head up high with how she handled herself and the effort that she put in. You got to remember that that's such a tough situation when you don't have your family support. And then the story goes into her husband is talking Talking to one of her friends way more intimately than he's ever talked to her but if you haven't listened to that episode it's a phenomenal phenomenal interview and some stuff that came out that we really didn't know about Mindy but this week we have just as exciting of a guest which is Derek from Married at First Sight season 10 and for anybody that has watched or is going to watch Derek was married to Katie and their relationship started off with a bang they had some fire going from the beginning and then slowly started to deteriorate or I should say rather quickly but there was another couple where Derek was a so-called fan favorite he gave it his all he's a playful loving guy he's got a lot of love to give even though He's never fallen in love, which I think was the weirdest thing to focus on, but got matched up with someone that was into him at first and then just started to nitpick everything that he did and just wouldn't get over some things. And I don't know whether she was hoping for that chase or whether I don't want to sit here and speculate because we get all of the information from Derek. We're actually turning his interview into a two-part. So today and this episode is going to be a very intimate talk with Derek The conversation went so well and so fluid that we had to turn into a two-part because we captured so much and then we threw out to Hot Marriage Cool Parents on Instagram on what questions that you would want us to ask Derek. And we got a lot. So we didn't want to glaze over those. We wanted to make sure that we got to all of your questions, everything that's relevant. So this episode will be the interview with Derek. And then next episode, we're going to do all of the questions that you guys have. If you haven't been following Jamie or I, or Hot Marriage Cool Parents, or if you haven't turned on social media at all, Jamie and I have a big announcement that we made, and we did not make this decision (laughs) quickly. We found and absolutely definitively picked a name for our son, and it's going to be Hayes Douglas Hayner. Yay! Hendrix was my first choice. Not going to lie. Hayes was kind of like, if Hendrix was 10 out of 10 for me, Hayes was a nine out of 10 or maybe a 9.5 out of 10. And the more and more I thought about it and Jamie started to really fall in love with that name, I started to really like it. And I started to really, really like the name Hayes Douglas. So we've officially found a name for our son, which is nice because that was really the last thing that we had. We just kept calling him baby boy Hayner or our son. When at this time, when we were pregnant with Henley, we knew Henley's name. You know, the Henley name was something that had a lot of meaning. And we really didn't have much a connection with Hayes. There's no rhyme or reason other than we really, really love the name. And one of the reasons why I was so smitten with the name Hendrix was one of the earlier episodes of Hot Marriage, Cool Parents, we had a baby naming expert on. And she really gave us some not so common names, but really broke down some of the names that we had chosen and Hendrix being one of them. And Jamie and I, we lost our first son, Jonathan, at 17 weeks. And Jamie delivered him at 17 weeks. And, you know, he's now looking over us in in heaven. But we gave him the name Jonathan, which Jonathan is a gift from God. And then we found out through the baby naming expert that Hendrix, I think it's most commonly linked with Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix's real name was John, and I thought that was kind of a cool connection to make. So I really liked Hendrix Douglas. Either way, Douglas was gonna be the middle name and Hainer was obviously gonna be the last name, but we finally settled on Hayes and quick story about how Henley came about. So for anyone that hasn't watched season one or when Jamie and I first got married on season one of Married at First Sight, we went through the wedding and it wasn't the best of weddings, I'll admit that. It was a very awkward wedding, but memorable. You know, looking back, it was a great starting point because we weren't high, we kind of were low. But it was a great, great starting point because we were both scared, Jamie most of all, and we just kept getting to know each other. We trusted the process enough and quickly over the course of the next couple of days, we really, really found a connection and found something to build on. And we started that foundation. Once we got done with the wedding, which was just a blur, it seems like at this point, I can't believe it's six years ago. Once we got done with the wedding, really, once the cameras were gone, we really had a chance to just lay in bed for that night. Nothing happened, <laughs> obviously, But we got a chance to lay in bed and we really just had pillow talk for pretty much the whole night and really got a chance to know each other and kind of figure out why we were matched and gave us some excitement going into our honeymoon. So long story short, which my wife always says, right after we were married, we wake up the next morning and I look at Jamie and I go, so your name is Jamie Nicole Otis and you were born on June 15th. 1986. And she goes, wow, good memory. And I said, okay, so what's my name? And she goes, Douglas, Edward, Henley. And from then, Henley was always going to be a baby name for us if we had kids, which it turns out that we did. So fittingly, we found out that we were having a girl and Henley Grace was born. And I'm so happy that we didn't get a dog. Jamie already had a dog. So we have a a dog named Lady. And I'm so happy because we said, oh, that would kind of be funny if we got a dog and we named the dog Henley because it had some connection. Henley is such a perfect name for our baby girl, who I think is getting excited. I mean, she's starting to figure out that there's a new baby room that she has to kind of stay out of. And she does anyway, because there's no toys in there yet. But it's really, really happening. Over the weekend, we had our second visit from the midwife and she brought her associate assistant, other nurse. I don't know. So she brought her assistant with her and we got a chance to meet. We're going to do a water birth. So she brought the tub over, which we still have to inflate. And then we also had a couple of our assistants that just meet up to discuss kind of the layout of the house, what's going to happen with Henley. We also got a chance to hear our son Hayes's heartbeat. It's so crazy to say the name. Hayes now. But we heard our son Hayes's heartbeat, and we really just talked about what the process will be. And every time that we've seen a home birth or talked to somebody that's had a home birth, you know they're walking around, they're in different positions, they're up, they're down. So in our heads and in Jamie's head, we're going to be walking around. They say not to get in the tub if you're actually having contractions and having a baby because it kind of lessens, I don't know, I guess the feeling of it where it doesn't really help you push the baby out. But the idea being is that we're going to be upstairs and then we're going to set the tub up upstairs so i still have to move our nightstand away from the bed and just make sure that it fits in our bedroom but the final push is going to be filling up that tub and it's an inflatable tub and having our son there and jamie is really adamant about wanting to deliver our son and grab him from her and bring him right up to her chest she really really wants that and i mean we were going to film this anyway regardless But in the beginning, it was such a scary plan. We were so set. There was no question about where we were going to deliver Henley. We were going to have Henley in a hospital. Really, any kid that we were going to have was going to be in a hospital. Jamie's a labor and delivery nurse. She knew the staff. You know, the staff was amazing. Jamie always wanted an epidural. And, you know, regardless of her nursing training and everything, that was her birth plan. And who am I to say anything, really? That was our birth plan up until six months. And then this coronavirus came. And then we had to come home early from Florida, even though it was like a week. But we had the very, very difficult decision of, do we feel safe going to a hospital? Is that the right choice for us, for our family? I was adamant about a home birth. I said, no, we're not doing a home birth. Looking back, it was just the fear of how can it be sanitary? How do midwives do it at home? Isn't it just an emergency like, oh, we can't make it to the hospital, so you have to have the baby here? I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know that it was an experience. I didn't know that this was like a whole setup and it's so common. Well, not so common. I shouldn't say that. But, you know, it's something that is an experience for people. And there are people that are adamant about having their baby at home. And it makes sense. You know, the more and more I read about the home birth, as a guy, you know, there's not much that we do. You know, support, be there, obviously being there for your child's birth. But the pushing part and everything like that's all on your wife, your girlfriend, whoever. It's all on them. The role for us is going to get ice chips or, you know, rub your back or, you know, whatever you need. So the idea of a home birth was wild to me. And then once I started reading that it was more common than I thought, the next thing was, well, it's all natural. And, you know, that's a scary thought for anyone. It's a choice. I know sometimes it's not a choice, but it has to ultimately be the choice of the mom because. That is a tough mental hurdle to get over. This has always been a team effort, a team thing with Jamie and I, and I'm gonna be that person that's gonna be there and to work with her through this and be there or not touch her when she's (laughs) going through everything and who knows what she's gonna scream and yell. But everybody that's had one has said it is the most magical and beautiful thing and I expect nothing short of that. I honestly feel deep in my gut in my bones that this is going to be a great great delivery this is going to be a wonderful experience and Just the thought of what Jamie will have to go through, maybe it'll be different because it's the second baby or maybe it'll just be different because there's people around or she'll be in a tub with water and maybe that'll lessen the trauma that's happening. But, you know, that's something that Jamie needed to come to terms with. You know, she was always adamant about having an epidural, but times have changed and who knows what's going to happen for the kids that we're going to have in the future if we're going to do a home birth from here on out. Obviously, getting checked beforehand and making sure you're a low-risk pregnancy. But if coronavirus wasn't around, we would have never considered it. Maybe sometime down the road, if we met somebody that was, you know, giving us the education part of it, but we would have never considered having a home birth. But now I'm kind of excited for it. I can't lie. I've posted about it too, and I really am excited for this. And I'm excited for the experience, and now it's a waiting game to meet our son, Hayes. But we'll talk more on that in next week's episode when Jamie's around. And who knows? We may have a baby before then. You never know. But, but anyway, so it's about that time that we do our five-star review shout out, which we do every week. We absolutely love hearing your feedback. We love your comments. If you go to iTunes, you can leave a review there. Five-star reviews. We love to give a shout out each week. But we also love hearing from you. So whether you're reaching out through social media, through our Instagram, or through the podcast, we truly do appreciate the support that you guys have shown. So this week's five-star review comes from Jen Hull27, who writes, Fran, from your wedding day. This one is awesome. Jamie and Doug, I have followed you guys from the very beginning when you were on MAFS, Married at First Sight, literally your wedding day. I worked at the hotel where you got married and saw you guys and your celebration on your actual wedding day. You were my favorite couple. I can confidently say I am your longest standing and first friend. It's so refreshing to hear your thoughts and journey through pregnancy. I also live in New Jersey with my husband, raising our seven month old son and can relate to you guys so much. Best wishes on baby boy and prayers for an amazing birth. Henley is going to be a great big sister. Thanks for being so transparent and real about life. Thank you so much, Jen Hall, and that is awesome. I always love hearing from people that have been with us for so long. She's known us as long as we've known each other. But thank you for the support, Jen, and thank you all for your five-star reviews. I know we probably sound like a broken record at this point, but... We really do love hearing from you and the support throughout the years. And honestly, through this time, you guys have been amazing and we are here with you. We're happy to bring you on this journey with us. And especially now when we're all in isolation, it's just so important to stay positive. And it's so, so, so amazing to hear from you guys and the love that pours through these five-star reviews and we just love it. So thank you. And without further ado, I think it's about time to bring on Derek Sherman from season 10 of Married at First Sight, fresh off of the reunion show. And we'll let Derek tell his whole entire story. But married to Katie, became a fan favorite, is now a single bachelor. And I'm so excited to have Derek on. So let's bring him on. All
0: right, guys. So today we have another Married at First Sight season 10 cast member on the podcast and you guys asked for him. We put it out on Hot Marriage Club Parents page who you guys wanted to hear from. And Derek was probably the number one person that you guys wanted to hear from this season. So we reached out to him and he's the coolest because he said yes. For those of you who don't know who Derek is, he's an avid dreamer and a hopeless romantic. If you didn't see the season, you have to go back and watch. You'll understand why I say that. (laughs) He is the ideal hubby that unfortunately didn't find love this season. But He does seem happier than ever, and we can't wait to hear all about his current adventures. And ladies, as far as I know, he's now America's most eligible bachelor. So uh, let's see if that still rings true. Derek, welcome. We are so excited to have you on the podcast.
2: Hey, so happy to be here.
1: How does it feel to be an eligible bachelor when you can't meet anybody face to face? (laughs) During quarantine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely uh, an interesting experience for me.
0: Okay, so let's go back to the beginning real fast because, I mean, I want to know, what made you want to sign up for Married at First Sight? I mean, you seem like a handsome guy. You have a great career. You got it all going for you. So did you sign up for Married at First Sight? Were you nominated? Did they reach out to you? How did that happen?
2: So they actually reached out to me from an Instagram post. I geotagged out in D.C. Next thing I knew, they were telling me they work for a media company out in L.A. and that they're doing a TV show out in D.C., Whoa. So, I mean, it obviously had a little bit of my interest, but once I talked to them and they kind of told me the crazy idea of what it was, and after they mentioned how, you know, there's built-in prenups, they pay for the divorce, if it doesn't work out, I mean, <laughs> after hearing about all of this, I pretty much kind of talked to myself, as was like, well, worst case scenario, uh, I walk out with a crazy story with no real cost to me, best case scenario, I meet the love of my life. so... If these experts can find my perfect person, why not leave it up to fate? To be honest, I had no idea that I would actually get selected.
1: So you get this phone call and you decide to pursue this show idea. And then by the time that you get through the interviews and by the time someone says, well, guess what? We found you a match. How do you break that news to your family?
0: And how did you feel? Because it seems like this wasn't something that you knew about and they approached you. So you're probably like, this will never happen. And then all of a sudden, yeah, they find your quote unquote perfect match.
2: Yeah, at first I was definitely a little hesitant. I was like, is this just like, you know, a ploy or something? But I did a bit of research, found it's 100% true. Um, <laughs> and people really are that crazy and have been married at first people sight. People do marry strangers. I so, you know it's happened before. But at first i didn't tell my family at all i went through the different processes whether just a brief questionnaire to a Skype interview to a more or less 6 hour questionnaire about you know everything then to the actual interviews themselves but i didn't tell my family till um, right till a week before i found out that i was getting matched it got to the point like holy crap I think statistically there's a 10% chance I could get selected here. I might need to tell my family. <laughs> and so I told my mom first because I was actually the most concerned about her. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so when I told her, she literally just kicked me out of the house. <laughs> for real? Wait. Like, really? 100%. I had to give her, like, a bear hug for 30 minutes so she would calm down and listen to the words that were coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Because, you know, she was born in Argentina, just to vote Catholic, and just uh, the morals that she was raised on totally went against all of this. Yeah. So, I was definitely talking to her every day for, throughout the next week, kind of trying to reassure her. She finally warmed up to the idea. She was definitely surprised when I actually found out that, yes, I was getting selected. It was definitely interesting. I told my dad around the same time, but uh, when I first told him I might get selected, he's like, Derek, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but, you know, whatever makes you happy.
0: Oh, that's nice.
2: But then when I finally told him and I got <laughs> selected, he was like, what the F are you doing? Yeah, uh, My family, needless to say, was definitely shocked by it.
0: Well, let's fast forward to now the wedding day and you finally get to see your stranger spouse, Katie, and she looks gorgeous. There's no doubt about it, right? She's Mm-hmm. beautiful girl yeah, she let's hear what were your thoughts when you saw her how did your parents react at the wedding also like how do you think that you and katie were jiving like do you have any like off-camera things you can share with us give us all the dirt
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah a couple off-camera things did happen but i'll get to that in a second so I guess that to me, throughout this entire process, I've definitely been nervous, but you know, extremely excited to the point where my excitement outweighed my nervousness. Like, oh my God, who's this perfect person? But it was right when I was standing up at the top of the aisle and just waiting for her. It was like, holy crap, Derek, I don't care what you ever tell yourself again, you're 100% crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, not brave. Bro, that it's was crazy. It really
2: was going through my head. But the moment she walked down the aisle, I was instantly relieved and all those worries went away because I was like, whew, I can see this working. She looked great, so.
0: She isn't too bad looking.
1: In the beginning, did they match you up appropriately when you first saw her, met her physically, and then just the initial interaction that you had with her? Was everything sort of your nerves eased because, well, no, the experts actually followed exactly what I was saying. Did that happen?
2: I would say yes. So going into this, I definitely you know came to terms with, look, I want an actual substantial relationship, someone I can love. I've gone around and I've dated, and that's part of the reason of why I did this in the first place is because all my luck didn't really work out. So let me have the experts make an unbiased perspective on what could work out because maybe I was looking for the wrong things. So in regards to physical attraction, I was like, I won't lie. I mean, obviously, I would love her to be beautiful. Yeah. But I also came to terms with that's not what I was looking for. So for me, the moment I saw her, I wasn't so much judging her off her physical appearance, but the fact that she eased my apprehension in regards to her physical appearance as soon as I saw her because she did look gorgeous, I was very happy. And then throughout the wedding day, our physical connection, was just felt like she was just melting in my arms whenever we held.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. I know. Like, I remember watching it back. I mean, I was like a gooey, like schoolgirl, like rooting for you guys, because you guys were really, really cute. Well, let's take it back. First of all, like, how did your parents respond to the wedding? Because since they were so hesitant, and then also, when you guys are on the honeymoon, you guys seem happy. Everything seems happy. Let's walk through all of that. And and also, what happened off camera? <laughs>
1: Bring the fire. That's all I remember. Oh,
0: my God. Her friends. Oh, my God. I couldn't, I forgot. Oh, that
2: <laughs> moment. I'll, I'll never forget. I was, uh, I was priceless because it just came out of the blue.
1: That's awesome.
2: <laughs> so for my family, I think they were all very nervous at first. But since they were actually waiting longer than I was on the altar, they actually had a good chance to get to know the other family. And it was weird because, like, you know, we get married – and then we go off and do a couple interviews and stuff. And so we come back, you know, more or less an hour later. And we come out to our families having the best freaking time ever. Like they're best friends at this point. We're like, what did we just miss? That's awesome. So our families instantly clicked.
0: That is such a good sign. And so then you guys head off to your honeymoon and seems like you're just as happy there. Am I missing something?
2: Yes, but allow me to backtrack a quick second to a couple of the things that weren't on camera.
0: Okay, yeah, I'd love to hear.
2: Yeah, so throughout that day, it was like super busy and there wasn't much time to eat and one of the moments that just really like solidified the fact that you know what maybe she could be the one is right at the end of the night i ended up finding you know one of the production snack boxes and stuff because i'm still freaking hungry i've only had a couple bites of food for my dinner so i just like stuffed my pockets with like you know random chips fruit rolls and whatever i could find (laughs) in
0: there this is your wedding day (laughs) they
1: have the best snacks though
0: that's so funny that you like, yeah. it's wedding day. There's obviously great food there, but of course you don't eat because you're the groom <laughs> and you're also filming. So you have like fruit roll ups instead.
2: It was the only food I could find at that point in time at like 2 a.m. So I just grab it, put it in my pockets and everything. And right when we're about to walk into the honeymoon suite, a fruit roll up falls out through like the bottom of my pants and it's just like, uh oh! And, and like she sees it, and I'm just standing there. And then next thing I know is that she pulls out like a nurture grain valley kind of bar out of her purse. And it's like. Don't worry, we're thinking on the same page
0: here. That is so adorable. (laughs) Oh my gosh,
1: that's cute. Everything that we saw on TV, it seemed like you guys were that couple that just clicked and there was so much promise and potential for you guys. You were connecting physically. It seemed like you were having such a good conversation. Going into and coming home from the honeymoon, had anything changed in that time that you guys were away?
2: So going into the honeymoon, we were doing really well, but near the end of it, I think one of the greatest reasons of why we've started to feel a little bit more distanced from each other is the fact that it was just us for like seven, eight days with only interacting with ourselves. Sometimes, you know, you need a little bit of space to collect yourself. And when you're with someone for that much time and you just met them, it's just, that's not how it usually happens.
0: Right. You're like, that's not even speed dating. That's like, you literally are just completely thrown into like, I wouldn't say a lion's den, but you are kind of when it comes to like a marriage den anyways.
2: I remember one of the first days, like the honeymoon, you know, she was showering. She was like, well, you know, why don't you join me? And I was like, oh, okay. So I ended up, like, you know, joining her for the shower. And then near the end of the honeymoon, you know, she was showering. So I was like, you know, why don't I join her? And as soon as I got in there, you know, she got out within, like, 30, 40 seconds. Like, Derek, I just need space. I'm like, oh, well, I'm
0: sorry. Oh, wait a minute. So I didn't know that she had once invited you into the shower. Yeah, the first time she did.
1: So did you guys consummate the marriage on the wedding night?
2: We waited till her birthday on the honeymoon.
1: Oh, that's right. And I'm just thinking back to when Jamie and I had gone through the process, there was some clear boundaries that Jamie had set, but also it was like, you know, we don't want to smother each other. So she goes, Doug, if you see me in the bathroom, I'm taking a bath. It could take up to an hour. I just need a break from you. I think it's so important to lay that out in the beginning, especially because it's so overwhelming. Agreed.
2: And I feel like that's something we could have done a little bit better, uh, at least establishing you know boundaries from the get-go so we wouldn't have to cross those boundaries to figure them out
0: yeah but what's interesting is that when you guys come back from the honeymoon that's when like tension starts to spark it seems like between you and katie i mean you guys seem like the most i don't know normal happy newlywed blissful couple throughout most of everything except from just like a couple little tiny things mm-hmm. like that shower incident on your honeymoon but then like you guys come back and face the real world and it seems like you're kind of like i don't know well, Less t- drinking. Well, yeah, you're definitely less drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's the problem. You guys should have just stayed (laughs) where the sun was where you could have alcohol all day, every day. But tell us in your words, like, what do you think went wrong from the wedding day where you were all smitten with each other to now the real world? And it seems like you're kind of facing some challenges.
2: Honestly, I've asked myself that question a couple of times, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly what. I think it's a combination of different things. I think the biggest reason is because we left it off on a little bit of a low note, I suppose you could say. I mean, it wasn't a bad note, but just a little bit of a lower note when we left the honeymoon than when we got there. And the whole fact of going back to the real world, going back to our job, us just being us instead of us just trying to enjoy our time. And I think that kind of weighed
1: into it. So getting back to normal life, it almost seemed like once the cameras were gone, it was almost like the very next episode, there was something new that was either bothering Katie or that you guys were really just getting annoyed at each other. From what I saw on the show, it seemed like this whole idea that you haven't been in love just seemed to be thrown down our throats all the time. Was that something that was really a challenge for both of you in the relationship?
2: Yeah, wholeheartedly. I know from Katie's point of view that it was a challenge that she, you know, was afraid that I might not be able to fall in love with her. And. For me, it was extremely frustrating that was being held against me. It was viewed as a red flag that, you know, I I wasn't as lucky as her to find love two times by the time I'm 27. Right. And it was frustrating because I think in an ideal world, you just fall in love once and there's no timetable on when it should happen. But the fact that it was being held against me, the first couple of times that she said it, I kind of just like, well, you know, don't worry, it wouldn't be like that. I'm very open to it. But after she just kept throwing it at me time and time again, I was like, look, I think it's messed up that you think this is a red flag. And, you know, really started having a conversation with her about it.
0: The other thing that she really didn't appreciate about you was the fact that you had dreams and that you considered yourself a dreamer. Take us through that, like what that felt like to hear and how you tried to navigate that.
2: So that was... Definitely a tricky kind, especially since I kind of had some indicators early on. And you don't just go ahead and ask someone like, hey, can you support all of my dreams? Right. Like, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> that takes time, obviously. You need yeah. to care for the person. Yeah. I get that. But there was one conversation. I actually don't think it was ever on camera. But there was one conversation we had at dinner, the first one about dreams. It was like, what are some of the things that you want to do in life that I can help you achieve? Because, you know, the way I see it is when you're in a marriage, you want to help the other person achieve what they want to do. And that's how you become happy together, in a sense. Right. So I asked her that. And she told me, like, well, I'd like to have a buy a house and have a family and find love. I'm like, awesome. 100% right there with you. But, you know, what are some other things that make you unique? And at the time, she just had nothing. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I, I tried yeah. to ease things up for her so she didn't feel as nervous. by mentioning a couple of odd things about mine. But I realized... It was like, okay, well, this is on my radar, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's not a red flag. We'll talk about this later on. And so the next time we talk about it is during the one month. And so I asked her, like, you know, as opposed to having a a house or a family and love, what's one of the craziest things you want to do in life?
1: Which is a playful question in conversation that you're alluding to, but semi-serious, you know. It's a very innocent and playful question that you're proposing. And just to open up a dialogue about it, it seems.
2: Yeah, because at this point in time, I just wanted us to really open up to each other and kind of talk about some of the embarrassing things about us so we can grow closer and kind of connect on a more deeper level. And so I tried to pave the way to make her feel a little easier by listing a couple of mine and even some of the most more ridiculous ones that, I mean, I still plan on doing, but other people might find a little silly. So (laughs) I guess that didn't really work. I I guess I only increased her tension. And then, as you saw with the whole big dream fight that happened literally just days later after the recommitment day, where, you know, she sits me down and talks about how, you know, marriage is about compromising and changing for the other. And then she says, you know, let's work on your your dreams and stuff. And, I mean, I'm all fine with compromising, but I don't want to compromise my identity for a marriage. I figure you have to have both your identities. And I'm trying to hear her out, and I understand where she was coming from. Because I think her biggest fear was the fact that I would prioritize my dreams over her and marriage and the family when that just wasn't the case because I tried to explain as many times as possible. Like, like that's number one. But the other thing that she was feeling, I feel, was that she would feel that like I would spike her if I wasn't able to achieve what I really wanted to achieve, like blame her for not following my dreams.
1: Was that just speculation, though, on her part? To me, watching it back, it almost seemed like you guys would get in a fight, argue about something, and then you guys would settle and it was always good makeup, but then there would always be something else that came up. And it almost seemed like she just started picking on you for no reason. And it was just picking on you and picking on you. And I'm sorry if I'm taking your side completely on this, but it almost seemed like you would ease tensions about something, you would ease her mind, and then she'd just find something else to pick on you about. Was that the case? Um,
2: To be honest... Yeah. The marriage started becoming taxing. I started finding myself doing the same things I did as a child when I was dealing with tough situations, which just like, you know, only looking for, like, the bright side of things. I mean, still dealing with the situations as they came, but... Being stressed over something is never going to help you. We're going to have some faith in the future. Like, I'm a big advocate of having hope. And unfortunately, with Katie with her, I suppose, realistic views and me trying to be optimistic all the time, that ended up backfiring, and she felt like we were on different pages because I was just trying to alleviate the stress. I don't want both of us to be having negative attitudes towards something, that nothing's ever going to be resolved It did feel like anything I did would always have some side effects, Looking back on it, I really felt like I started kind of withdrawing a little bit from some of my interactions from how I usually am. Because I just felt like, well, if I act like this, then, you know, she's just going to hate that or that. So let me try to be a bit more composed. And she even kind of told me at one point in time that I threw a little bit too much of my personality right out from the door. And at least for me, I felt like, you know, right out of the door, this is who I am. And if it's meant to be, this is
1: how it'll work out.
2: Yeah. but maybe she expressed that I came out a little too strong with a personality. And so I tried toning that back a little
1: bit. So through the beginning, though, you know, you guys had some really, really sweet moments. And having the conversation with her father beforehand, you know, saying, I want to take your daughter's hand in marriage. As the relationship started to deteriorate, are you still bros with her father? Do you still hang out? (laughs) It almost seems like you guys were really good friends.
2: We haven't hung out since Katie and I decided to go our separate ways after she moved out. But her father reached out to me recently, going over the situation and everything, and at the end of the day, on his own initiative, apologizing for how things came about. And he he did it in such a great way. He's like, hey, I think you are an amazing person. I'm sorry it didn't work out. You know, my daughter's my daughter. I will always take her side. But I want you to know that I really think you're a stand-up guy and wish you nothing but the best. What? That was from, like, most of her families kind of responded in similar ways. So, like, Katie's family, I honestly love every single one of them. They're all great people.
0: What? That is, like, huge. That's amazing. My jaw's on the floor. I can't believe that because, you know, most dads... I don't know, they don't even like their daughters getting married or dating someone and this guy's like, Listen, I'm sorry it didn't work out. I really liked you <laughs> Oh, that I mean that goes to show that for peace of mind that you might be a dreamer and you might be, you know, having this bucket list Honestly, the fact that it didn't work out, that's okay because she just doesn't jive with your personality and that's okay. Then fine, like good to know because you can't just be fake and like change who you are for a marriage. One thing I wanted to ask though was, did you ever feel like you could fall in love with her? Because I know that it was always like brought up that you hadn't been in love and it was a big red flag to Katie. And through the show, it seemed like you could potentially fall in love with her. But did you genuinely feel like you could fall in love with Katie at some point?
2: So for a lot of this, I'll be honest, I was fighting my gut a lot of the time, because I went into this going with zero expectations and granted, like, you know, maybe I was looking for the wrong thing, so let me keep looking to see what the experts match this up for and why. You're like, no, no, let's just ignore that and try to make this work. But... There were times that I felt like, oh, this is really nice. Like, there was one time, this never really showed on camera, that I just, like, stayed up all night long, finished one of a finals for one of my classes, and I was just, like, exhausted mentally <laughs> like no other. And I finally came back from class, and I just found, like, a tray of almost all of my favorite childhood foods. Wow. Like, Katie went ahead and called, like, my sister, or my best friend, and, like, some family members and figured out all of my favorite food items that, you know, from growing up, okay. there's like, you know, there are olives, there's cheese. She got these Argentine candy bars that my sister had, Montecolo, and a bunch of other cool things, whiskey, wine. It just meant
1: so much. I was like, wow, this is actually above and beyond. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, you know, we didn't get to see an awful lot of that side of her through the show. So that makes sense on why you kept on holding out hope. Because that was going to be my next question is, you really kept on holding out hope all the way to the end. What did keep you holding on?
2: Hope and faith that things would change. One of the things that I've come to terms with when you marry a stranger and you're thrown in the situation is that you're going to be standing each other's rough edges real quick. Yep. And so I was hoping that we could sand enough of our rough edges off where things could get smooth and we could actually have a little bit of stability. Because I think midway through our marriage, the one thing I was actually really looking forward to is just stability from arguments. I don't want to have an argument every single day or other day. That's
1: exhausting.
2: My mom and dad, they argued every single day. And I love them both to death. But when they got divorced, I thought it was the best thing for them because car trips were horrible. Yeah, And I don't want my marriage to be like that. I don't want to be built on arguments.
1: Now, do you think that if you would have just said, I am falling in love with you, Katie, I'm not in love with you yet, but I am falling in love with you. Do you think that would have changed the outcome?
2: I don't know. I mean, it could have. It very well could have. And if you use that terminology loosely, as in you're moving further towards it or the door is further opening, then maybe. But the last thing I'd want to do is be lying to myself and I told her multiple times that I feel like I can fall in love with you and I was getting closer to that point maybe if I used those exact words things would have been a little bit different maybe it would have gotten a little less resistance from her
0: yeah I don't think so, Derek. I mean, that's a nice thought. (laughs) It's nice to be optimistic. I don't
1: don't think so either.
0: I don't think so. And I don't mean that as a jab towards her or anything whatsoever, but I just don't think so. Like, I don't want you to have any regrets, I guess, or anything because I agree. Also, like, why would you say that if it's not necessarily true? You're only leading her on or stringing her along, I guess, when that's like the last thing any girl wants. She wouldn't even want to hear that if it wasn't true, you know? So I think you did the right thing. Just being honest and truthful about who you are. I wanted to kind of fast forward to now like reunion and we know that I mean first of all Derek you did not hold back and it's kind of like about time I feel I I don't know as a viewer I was like all right Derek yeah like you have to speak your side of the story and I was like definitely rooting for you I want to hear this from your side of like what the atmosphere was like in that room what was it like seeing Katie and what was it like calling her out on cheating?
1: So uh... I can't imagine that you set out to call her out on cheating for anybody that may have not watched the reunion or if you are going to, there was clearly a meeting between Derek and Katie prior to the reunion where some stuff was going to get discussed about what to say, what not to say. And I was happy that everything was kind of laid out on the table for us, you know, just because a lot of those inner feelings and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff was so relevant to why you guys had not stayed together so just keeping that in mind what was it like leading up to the reunion and, and what did you expect at the reunion
2: so going into the reunion i suppose a month or two prior after i first found out about katie having the affair while were on like a one month anniversary retreat we talked about it i was a little shook for that whole day i mean i we were in Nashville, and I had to fly back to Virginia for my grandfather's funeral and fly back within four hours just so we could make the rest of the trip. She stayed there, so I had a lot going through my head and I had a lot of time to think about things. And, you know, the following day, we talked and we established that, all right, you know, let's just try to be friends. Uh, but we also agreed that I wouldn't discuss the affair during the reunion because she already felt like, you know, everyone was going to more or less hate her enough from everything and so taking that into consideration i was like you know okay and then we had a a dinner that led into it a couple of days before the reunion and we're there we're catching up we have like a drink or two making sure everyone's doing well because we're no longer living together at this point in time
0: is this dinner just you and katie or is this you and all the married at first sight crew
2: this is just between katie and i okay Yep, we went to dinner on our own to talk about some things, going into the reunion, making sure we're on the same page with things, trying to, you know, make sure that we don't bury anyone, I suppose. And the entire time that this is going on, like I've always just kind of had this in the back of my pocket. It's like, okay, you know, like I said I wouldn't talk about it, but like if you end up being like a a real yeah. Swat, or whatever you want to call it, then I have no qualms with calling this out because I think it was effed up that, you know, it even happened in the first place. And I only have so much benevolence. Right. And so we have this. out. like, so no, it's, you know, I think this is still the plan, even though we didn't have the easiest move out. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it could have been nicer. But um, then, literally, just a couple of days before the reunion, so like after the dinner, I get this information from, um, Three of the different cast members, and I verified with a couple other people as well, that not only did she, you know, have an affair just two weeks after we moved in with each other, or two weeks after decision day, that she did just a couple days after the honeymoon, or like the day after the honeymoon.
1: Oh my God.
2: And so at this point in time, I'm like, well, what the F? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, but I just have no sympathy now. So I don't have no qualms with calling all this stuff out. So I was set up with it. I only have so much patience. Yeah. I truly tested my patience throughout the entire
1: process. I think that you handled it very maturely throughout because, you know, not everybody would have the same patience as you have. And honestly, the way that she came off on the reunion, it was almost like she was blaming you for her cheating, which was weird. (laughs) It was so weird. She was like blaming you for her cheating.
0: Before we get to that, though, Derek. Okay, I just want to clarify because this didn't come out on the reunion. You're saying that Katie had an affair like two weeks after the honeymoon?
2: Wow. No, two weeks after decision day, she had an affair. Uh-huh, and yeah. like two weeks after we moved in because we moved in with each other like the, more or less the day after.
0: Okay. And then you find out from three or more people that she actually had an affair while you were on your honeymoon as well.
1: No, the day after the honeymoon.
0: Of course, because <laughs> you couldn't do that on anyone. Yeah, sure oh, my goodness. So
1: why did you guys stay together on Decision Day?
0: Well, he didn't know about
1: this. No, I know, but not knowing about it. But there was obviously some buildup beforehand. Was that a conversation that you guys had going into Decision Day that, you know, you want to stick it out?
2: Um, yeah. So the biggest thing for us is that we wanted to try it without the cameras. And to see if, if it was just the cameras that added more pressure and more stress to things. And, you know, granted, it also didn't help that both of our leases expired and all of our roommates have found different situations. So we didn't really have anywhere to move to. So we decided, OK, well, let's try this out without the cameras while also living with each other and solve both of these problems. Yeah. So those were the two biggest things. I still hoped that it would have changed. Things would have gotten better because the last thing I wanted to do was go through this process and give up halfway without knowing for sure. At the end. Right. So that's the one
1: thing I told myself I didn't want to do. That makes sense. Yeah, it almost seemed like Katie had no intention of following through on staying together, though, if all this is happening soon after you guys decide to stay together.
2: Yeah, very much so. And that's why, to me, I can honestly say that I was never in love with Katie. My feelings never were allowed to grow into that. I still felt hurt and betrayed when I found out about it the first time. I was like, well... I'm here actually trying to make this happen, but you yeah. just dismissed it. Like, what was the point of all of this in the first place? Yeah. And that's why I was mainly hurt, was the betrayal.
1: Yeah, that's tough to hear. I mean, even under any circumstance, it's, it's, it's really shitty. From the outside looking in, it was almost like you had this thing where you hadn't fallen in love and you have these dreams. And it was almost like she constantly judged and made judgment on that. But the whole thing with the ex-boyfriend and not knowing if she was in love and the breakup, you never held that over her head throughout the experiment. It was almost like you were willing to look past some of her stuff, but she wasn't willing to look past the things that came up about you.
2: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny you say because I actually never really noticed that. Uh, no, you're you're right. I never held those things against her.
0: Yeah. Quick question before we move on. But did Zach and Katie get drinks before, or after you split up, and did you ever sense that they were into each other? Because that was like a big news flash too that happened on the reunion that Zach and Katie went for drinks.
2: So they had drinks after we decided to split up. So it wasn't before and. Uh, in regards to their um, interactions with each other, they've always been on, like, you know, friendly terms, but we've all been on friendly terms with each other. So there's nothing, you know, weird about that. I don't really believe that they wanted to do more, but, again, I don't know. And I don't know what would have happened if they were given the opportunity to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it almost seemed like Zach was talking to everyone except for his wife. <laughs>
0: He was talking to all his wife's friends and not his wife.
1: (laughs) The other thing that came up that I wanted to ask about was just being witness to some of Brandon's kind of like lash outs and just immature sort of tantrums. Was it really as uncomfortable as it seemed on TV when we were watching back?
2: I would say, yeah. So the interesting thing with Brandon is that there's moments where, you know, he's the, the happiest guy in the room. He's having a great time and all is good. And then it's just literally like a flip of the switch. Something will happen, and it's just like, you know, Armageddon. And there's no holding back for him. He'll start off very low-key, kind of expressing his passive aggressiveness, and then it'll just explode. And there are definitely times where it did, when we all felt uncomfortable. I I recall, uh, for me, the most was when we were all on the bus, because the clip only shows just, what, maybe five, ten seconds? But that was for at least a solid five minutes. Wow. of all of that going on. And he's saying some, like, ruthless things. We were all about to get up and, like, yo, you need to chill out right now.
0: Really? That's- you know, honestly, I don't get, like, why or how Taylor stayed with him. But that's neither here nor there because, you know, that's, like, not our relationship. So we don't talk about that. Yeah. But anyways, let's move on to a happier note Because <laughs> I think that a lot of women are excited that you're single. That's for sure. So...
1: This girl over here, I'm very excited.
0: <laughs> Doug's happy for his chance now. <laughs> no, but uh, you have to let us know, are you single and currently dating or like looking for love? Dun, dun, dun.
2: Ooh. <laughs> well, the answer is I am still single. Oh, I am open to finding love right now. But if anything, after going through something this serious, I am okay with not finding it right now. I'm okay with just taking my time for every year or so.
1: And can you clear up the rumors that you're dating Taylor now?
2: <laughs> there are no rumors <laughs> that you're dating Taylor. <laughs> yes, I can clear those up. I am not dating Taylor or anyone else on the cast.
1: Okay, good.
0: Okay, but I wanted to ask you, What are your plans for the future and are you fulfilling any of your dreams? And I also wanted to know, like, what are your dreams? Like, share it with us because we have bucket lists over here. We like this thing. I had a
1: whole pre-baby bucket list that Jamie went along with, including skydiving, going on an African safari, swimming with a great white shark. So Derek, you will find your bucket list mate. I'm telling you. And when you do, it's going to be (laughs) glorious. But I am curious about your bucket list items that are kind of must-haves and what you would want to do with your wife. Yeah. So, there's so many ways I could answer this question. I guess I'll start off with saying, you know, the end goal of things
2: that I'd like to get myself to with my career, because I'm on a pretty good track right now, is I want to be able to be home for my family as much as possible. So I want to get myself in that kind of position career-wise so I don't need to worry about it too much and always spend time with my family because I don't want to miss out on those moments. So my career's been going very well. I've been working towards that as well. But now moving on to a bunch of the bucket list things. Traveling has always been one. So as soon as this quarantine is over, I (laughs) am going to try going to New Zealand for a week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been meaning to go there for the past 10 years, and it's just been a dream of mine. So I'm going to do that.
1: What's in New Zealand?
2: I suppose the better question is what isn't in New Zealand? It is such a freaking beautiful place. Whether you love extreme sports, they have it all. Whether you love just nature and serenity, they have it all. Anytime I research it, it's just breathtaking scenery, and I love being awed by nature.
0: I mean, fair enough. Now you're making me want to go to New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's beautiful but um no i've also so i guess a year ago or so, i started teaching myself how to play the piano because I, I really like music but a lot of the production equipment these days requires a keyboard to manipulate the sounds so i wanted to teach myself how to play the piano and i was making some decent progress but you know life kind of got in the way and then the next thing i knew i was marrying a stranger so that didn't really permit a lot of that
0: <laughs> but i know you wanted to make a christmas song isn't that right that was one of the things Katie uh, thought was is kind
2: of 100% silly. 100% true.
1: Can I do background vocals if you do?
2: You can join the auditions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's a
0: line up okay. for my background vocalist.
1: <laughs> I don't like your okay. dreams anymore.
2: <laughs> we don't support these <laughs> dreams. <laughs> so I have started teaching myself how to play the piano again. And I've kind of gotten a little bit of a setup going on right now. But I hate to say this, but for the world expecting a Christmas song, I do not believe it'll be ready by this Christmas. Just because I am still in the works of finding an exquisite saxophone player to do some layering for me. Oh, well, so
0: anybody out there, if you're an exquisite saxophone player, then hit Derek up. (laughs) He's taking auditions for that and background vocals. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. All right, Derek. Well, I'm happy to hear that at least you seem happy now. I feel like you feel like you're confident in your decision for a divorce, especially after finding out you've been cheated on. I'm pretty sure that can make anybody confident in a decision to divorce. Yep. And I know that there are lots of single ladies
1: out there that will be vying for your attention. So, And one of the things that I wanted to bring up and something that you don't see in every cast member of Married at First Sight is people that either just give up or you don't give it your all. And Derek, I want to say that you were one of the people that I felt gave it everything that you possibly could, even off camera, even deciding to stay together, giving it a chance. And there's a lot of respect that comes with that. And I I respect you a lot for that i
2: appreciate that Doug. thank you very much
0: yeah thank you so much for being so transparent with us and sharing with us behind the scenes and stuff that was
2: cool
1: yeah You know Derek was such a fun guest to have on which is also why we're going to have a two-part because you guys had so many questions to ask and we wanted to make sure because you guys really asked some phenomenal questions and Derek is an open book and we love that and we love hearing that he's doing well. I was really really happy that he got his point across and he got to stand up for himself at the reunion show because it's tough in any marriage and it's so easy to be someone from the sidelines looking in and saying oh she did this or oh he did that. You know you never really get that background. You never really get the behind the scenes. And to hear someone kind of walk through the entire process, I'm really, really happy to see that he's doing well. And like me, I'm a dreamer. I had a bucket list. I still have a bucket list. And we really, really enjoyed Derek coming on and being so open and honest with us. And again, tune in next week where we have part two of Derek Sherman. And it's all of your questions being answered and a lot of fun answers and a lot of real talk and even more behind the scenes. But we'll definitely get to Those questions. Thank you all again for listening and your support in Hot Marriage Cool Parents. Stay tuned on our Instagram page, either Hot Marriage Cool Parents or Jamie and Otis or me at Doug Hainer. And you never know. We may have a baby coming soon or we may not. Either way, we're going to be here next week with you and stay safe. Wash your hands, wash your face, don't touch your face, stay safe, don't cough, stay home. We love you and Goodbye.